Welcome to the Citizens Report. It's the 26th of June. I'm Robert Bowick, and I'm joined today by Citizens Leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. In this week's Citizens Report, put it in writing. Our chance to stop bail-in of bank deposits. And Australia must side with Trump on China. Didn't expect me to say that, did you? <laughs> okay. Um, so, Craig, we have an action-packed show today because there's actually a lot of things to go through. Just before we get to the main subjects, though, a few announcements that I want people to be aware of. Um, for Channel 31 viewers, uh, this was going to be the last show ever on Channel 31, except the show's had a reprieve in Adelaide. Now, we don't know about Melbourne, um, but it's had a reprieve in Adelaide. Rebecca Sharkey campaigned for it. So Channel 31 will go for another 12 months in Adelaide. So that's good news for them. So you can keep watching us for the time being on Channel 31 in Adelaide. Um, otherwise, though, all other viewers, please shift, shift to YouTube. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube and click the bell, I've been asked to tell you, so that you get the notifications when it comes out. Because we don't just have the Citizens Report anymore. We've started a new series called the Citizens Insight Series which is a series of interviews on particular subjects that are quite relevant. The first one's up there now, and it's an interview I did with the former chairman of Woolworths, John Dalson, on the extreme urgency of um, re-regulating the dairy industry to save that industry, because as he, John Dalson argues, the, the whole dairy market is broken. And he's the former chairman of Woolworths, and he's saying it's the power of the retailers like he used to chair which is the problem here, right? And that's why there needs to be intervention. So please have a look at that on, our, on YouTube and watch it. And yeah, subscribe to the show and click the, the bell so you get the um, proper notifications when each show comes out. Um, so there's a bit of good news there. One other thing before we start is in this latest issue of our magazine, the Australian Alert Service, we are starting a resistance campaign called Keep the Change. <laughs> uh, and because what we highlight in there is a week ago on Channel 7, the banks bragged that under the cover of the coronavirus pandemic, they have achieved in 10 weeks what they had planned to achieve in five years in terms of making Australia go cashless. They are boasting how, how, how little cash is being used in the economy now. Now, as you know, or as a lot of you would know, we fought the, the government's cash ban um, fiercely and fought the government to a standstill on the grounds that they wanted to ban cash so they could trap us in banks. And that's why the banks want it, to trap us in banks. Um, once you're trapped in banks, we can't escape bail-ins, which we'll talk about in a minute. You can't escape negative interest rates. You can't escape bank charges, right? They know everything you're doing, and there's a good reason to keep cash in the economy. The problem is, this was done under the cover of the coronavirus pandemic, where the assumption was cash is um, potentially risky, right? Handling of cash is potentially risky. That's why people stopped using it. It is not based on fact. And what we've done on the back page here, and people can get a copy of this, um, is give resources that quote, the World Health Organization, this is on our website, we did it on the 3rd of April, we did a press release called Pandemic is No Excuse to Ban Cash. And that reported that the World Health Organization does not recommend a ban on cash, right? And the, Austra the Royal Australian Mint, which is effectively the Australian government, also does not recommend a ban, do not recommend a ban on cash. The World Health Organization's argument is cash is no more risky than anything else, right? And the problem is if you ban it, 
um, on, the, on health grounds, people might assume their card is safer and not take the normal precautions of washing their hands. And the World Health Organization's message was that washing your hands is the most important thing. Um, we covered last week that uh, in another press release on our website, RBA docs confirmed cash poses minimal risk of transmitting disease. And that reported on studies that the Reserve Bank Commission from the CSIRO and the University of Ballarat going back to 2004, which has looked in this in detail, and that said cash should not be singled out on health grounds, right, for, this, for the same reasons as WHO. Um, there's now a blog on the 19th of May, a blogger in Sydney named Stevie B put up a blog, Cash is No Dirtier Than Your Plastic. And that reported a study by the University of Texas and creditcards.com, so a credit card company in 2018, that found that cards had more germs on them than cash did, right? Um, and in fact, there's a, we could put this on the screen here where the average germ counts on money, on coins was 136, on notes was 160, on your toilet flush button was 163, on credit and debit cards, 285, and the dirtiest card had 1,200 germs on it, right? So there's no basis for this, for, for companies to do this, but the banks are pressuring companies to do this. Chains are doing it. So we've got a list of things here we suggest people do. Understand your rights. They cannot stop you paying in cash if you choose to, right? So please get involved in this um, campaign. You know, we, if, if we don't resist this, we need to start calling up companies that say they won't take cash and say there's no basis for this. You can take these articles that I've just pointed off our website, print them and take them to them and say there's no basis for this. Tell them if you don't take cash, I'm not going to shop with you anymore, right? And if we start pushing back mildly like that, very politely, they'll get the message, right? And in the meantime, we're still watching the government's um, cash ban law to make sure they don't sneak that in at the same time. And I might add, Robbie, just to make a comment on this, it's no big deal for businesses to handle cash because these, or you've got all these smart ATMs that handle cash, as we've found out. Yes. You know, banks have been prosecuted for money laundering and so forth. <laughs> it's not that difficult to process cash through ATMs, so you don't have to stand in lines at banks to process it. And genuine small businesses, Craig, not these chain ones, when I've asked who preferred cash or card, they say cash because they hate bank charges. Absolutely. Small businesses are not avoiding tax, they're avoiding bank charges. And if, you, and if they get rid of cash, those bank charges are going to go up. It's everyone's right to avoid bank charges, mm. right? So this is, cash is legal tender. Any business that, you can still pay any business that won't take it. You say, there's the cash, keep the change, I'm out of here, right? And that you have paid your bill. So you just got to be prepared to let them keep the change though. So use small denomination <laughs> notes. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the main part of, the, of today's show. Put it in writing, our chance to stop the bail-in of bank deposits. So we now have an inquiry has been launched by the Senate Economics Legislation Committee into the bill that Senator Malcolm Roberts from One Nation introduced in February, on the 27th of February, which is called the Banking Amendment Deposits Bill 2020. And this is a bill the Citizens Party drafted and One Nation has, has introduced it. And this bill is designed to make sure the law that the government snuck through Parliament on, Valent we call it the Valentine's Day Massacre of Democracy in 2018. There was only eight senators in the room and they rushed this bill through Parliament, which is we've identified as a bail-in law. Now, in the, we're putting out a release today so people can see this on our uh, website. You can go and have a look there. But we make the point that of what the bill does. So this, this Malcolm Roberts bill, this is what it does. It does three things. It's a very simple bill. It stipulates that the one clause we identified as problematic in the 2018 law, which says any other instrument can be converted or written off, 
any other instrument, very broad language, it stipulates that that clause cannot apply to deposits. That's the first thing it does. The second thing it does, it includes in the law an all-encompassing definition of deposits. Any possible type of deposits we've defined in there so that nothing can, can be snuck through, right? That it'll catch, catch everything so they can't pretend you know, that something's a, not a deposit when it is. And the third thing it does, the bill, it stops, it stops APRA from undertaking a bail-in through the back door by ordering banks to change their terms and conditions on their deposit accounts so those terms and conditions can say they can be bailed in, right? Stops them from doing that as well. Three things it does. Very simple. It does not change anything else to do with that 2018 law, right? Now, this is essential to clarify the bill. And what we need people to do, we're going to go through a bit, some more details in a second, but what we need people to do is make submissions to this inquiry demanding that the government should pass this to clarify it. Why should people be bothered to do this, Craig? Well, look, right now, Robbie, you've got a big trust me sign on the government. Yep. You know, we've had many members of parliament and the government itself saying, oh, no, 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 this bill does not allow for the bail-in of deposits. Robbie, if I went to buy a house, <laughs> right, I'm going to spend a million bucks to buy a house, unfortunately, right? I can't go to the real estate agent and say, look, I'm good for the million bucks, trust me. Yeah, you can't right. go down to the car dealer and say, I'm good for you know, $20,000, trust me. Yeah. Uh, or I can't even go to the banks and to get, you know, I'm good for a loan, trust me. Because look, everything you do is written down. It's, if you've ever signed a housing contract, it's 100 pages sometimes, right? Yep. Everything is enumerated in there. So what we're saying to the government is put it in writing. You say this bill doesn't affect deposits. Well, clarify that. Put it in writing so there's no ambiguity, right? But see, Robbie, this, is, this has got real big uh, costs for the government here. Look, if you only have to look at the government's record of the, both persuasions, Labor and Liberal, for the last 10 years, look, you've got a $550 million liability for robo-debt yep. because the government took on a very clumsy, blunt computer algorithm instrument and actually, this cost people's lives here. Which they were warned about and ignored. Exactly. So, you know, these, this, this government, or these, this particular government, actually has cost people's lives because of this. Yep. But it's on the hook for $550 million. Yep. And they've got to pay it back. You go back to 2011, um, and you'll look when the then Agriculture Minister, Joe Ludwig, you know, uh, shut down the live animal export trade to Indonesia... Well, the judge, uh, Judge Stephen Rares in the federal court came out on the 2nd of June and said that the then agricultural minister, Joe Ludwig, acted recklessly and committed malfeasance in public office. Now, they're going to pay $670 million back to those that were damaged here. And you're yeah. saying that those would pale into insignificance compared to what they'd be up for in a class action by the Australian public if a bail-in happened that they denied would happen. Exactly, because look, look at the damages that would happen. You're talking yep. about people's deposits here. Sure. The government saying, no, your deposits are safe. Then they bring in a bail-in and people lose their deposits. Well, hang on, Robbie. The government's just lied to the people. Who's act, who's, whose interests are they acting in? They're not acting in the interest of the people. They're acting in the interest of the private banking system with the emphasis on private. So I'm sure there's some very nice powerful private law firms there would then take this up to actually have a mass class action suit bigger than anything that you've ever seen with billions of dollars of compensation on the table by the Australian people because the government lied. And why, why are they 
can we say that they are lying? Is because of this campaign. So the more... We put them the, on notice. We put them on notice, and the more they go to their MPs, the more they write submissions to the committee, the more clear it becomes to the government. The government cannot be put in this position because it's either going to do one or two things. It'll adopt the legislation and pass it and say, oh, no, it's right. Remove the we, uncertainty. Remove the uncertainty, or it doesn't which means that the intention there all along, which was crystal clear for everyone to see, is that they intend to have bail-in and destroy people's lives. Yep. So that's why it's very important for people to be active on this particular campaign. Make a, it, it, it's crucial to make a submission. So you'll, you'll, you'll get some tips from our release today, which you can get on our website. Um, and we've, we've got a few things you can, that we suggest you say. But just, just five things very briefly to make the, the point to make. In every jurisdiction in the world with a bail-in law, it applies to deposits. The government claims it won't apply to deposits, but the broad wording of the law creates too much uncertainty. That uncertainty undermines confidence in the banks, which is already at an all-time low. If the government is genuine about not bailing in deposits, it should put its assurances in writing in the legislation by passing this bill. And given that all this bill will do is remove the uncertainty, why wouldn't the government pass it unless the 2018 law is intended to bail in deposits in a future banking emergency, which we might have very soon. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I've got to, I want to talk about an aspect of this to point out a proof that, that politicians lie about this question of bail-in. Welcome back to the Citizens Report, where we're discussing put it in writing, <laughs> our chance to stop the bail-in of bank deposits. Now, on, today's press release that, we, that people get off our website, Craig, is headline, Politicians Lie About Bail-In, right? Demand they pass the amendment. But as I said just before the break, the whole point about bail-in is to be used in a banking emergency, right? A future banking emergency. That's not an academic exercise, right? There, we are in a, a global banking emergency now. And no one could forecast a COVID-19 pandemic, right? No, exactly. So... Um, but the breaking news from the United States, though, is this. After the 2008 crash, they did this huge bill called the Dodd-Frank Law to reform the banking system. And the whole, most of it was an absolute fraud. In that law is bail-in for Americans, by the way. Mm. But the only half good thing about it was a thing called the Volcker Rule, which put slight restrictions on the abilities of banks to speculate, just slightly, right? They did that instead of Glass-Steagall, which we advocate for a full separation of the banks. So if you're a bank with deposit, you're not allowed to do anything nor anything risky, right? Nothing to do with investment banking, which is very risky. Well, overnight, it's come out the Reserve Bank is saying to the private banks in America now, the Federal Reserve, sorry, you no longer need to hold capital against your derivatives, right, to absorb derivatives losses. This is absolutely insane right this is this is saying to the guy on the high wire throw the stick away that gives you any kind of balance you don't need that anymore or saying to the trapeze artist what do you need safety nets for just a modicum of some kind of security thrown out the window right in other words the people running the global financial system are blithering idiots that are putting all of us at risk and creating the circumstances in which bail-ins will be used so take it very seriously but back to why politicians lie and um uh, we highlight the case that we, that's just come to light of New Zealand. New Zealand has the most explicit bail-in system in the world and they're so proud of it, they've got a great big beautiful colour graphic on their uh, website, which you're looking at now on our screen. Um, it's called Open Bank Resolution 
And if there's two, there's two um, alternative paths that they show there. And the second one, the lower one, open bank resolution, is bail-in, right? And what they explain there is that it will take deposits. And I'm going to read out those four bubbles as we go through them of the steps of open bank resolution. This is how they describe how it works. These are quotes. The bank closes temporarily and some money is frozen. Two, banks reopen under a statutory manager. Customers can access non-frozen portion of their money, which is now government guaranteed. Oh, that's, that's nice. The little part you can access is guaranteed. Forget the frozen stuff. Three, customers have ongoing access to some money so they can still pay their bills. Frozen money can be used to help resolve the bank's issues. And four, resolution of issues completed, unused portion of frozen money is returned to customers. Not the frozen money, the part they haven't used is given back to you, right? In other words, that's your deposits, you can be bailed in. And they make it explicit in the links on that page there that this applies to unsecured creditors and unsecured creditors includes customers with check and savings accounts and term deposits. Under the open bank resolution, it is expected that all unsecured creditors will be treated equally with the same proportion of claims remaining frozen for all depositors and creditors. It's the most explicit, clearly spelt out bail-in system in the world. Yet, and that's been in place since 2011. But not many people in New Zealand actually know this, Robbie. Well, that's right. And because they're starting to know it because they've heard about it from here, from our show, Martin North talks about it on his show, people in New Zealand have written letters to the New Zealand government. And on the 18th of May, the New Zealand finance minister, who's their treasurer, Grant Robertson, replied to a constituent, thank you for your emails of 7 February and 4 March regarding bail-in and deposit insurance. Um, And then he has this sentence, I should point out that no bail-in legislation was introduced in 2016, and that's true. The first half of that sentence is true. And then he adds, and no powers to bail-in depositors currently exist in New Zealand, which is an absolutely blatant lie. Now, it's possible he doesn't know about open bank resolution, but when you see that graphic on your screen and how beautiful and big and colourful it is and how much the Reserve Bank of New Zealand has bragged about this for the better part of 10 years, how could the finance minister of the country be so ignorant, right? The truth is he's lying. Why is he lying? Because bail-in is something politicians lie about. They do not like to admit to their constituents that they, they have, have a policy to steal their money. And we have now just come across um, an, a bit of honesty from an Australian politician, Tim Wilson, a member of the government, the member for Goldstein, Liberal politician, who has written on this same question to a constituent just the other day. Um, he says, at this stage, I'm not convinced there's any risk, as if the bank requires to turn to deposits for tier one capital in exchange for equity, The likelihood is the bank will be on the verge of collapse and the alternative is not equity, but nothing. That is not to make light of this. In other words, he says, if you get bailed in, the alternative is to lose everything anyway. Um, He said, it's a a reflection of the economic reality and risks, though low, that comes with deposits. If people don't want to be exposed to this risk, then they have other options, such as buying precious minerals or holding non-deposited cash. (laughs) He is admitting, he is saying that this law in place in Australia will bail in deposits. His own government says the opposite. Right there, one of them is lying, or, or the ignorance is huge. It just it proves the unclarity. And all we're saying with this inquiry is clarify it by passing this amendment. Right. So your submission is very important. Go to look up this this, web, this on our website. 
look up the, we have instructions on how to make a submission. Make a submission today to this inquiry. It's very important. We can beat this thing. Let's take a break. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. Now, Australia must side with Trump on China. And I don't mean side with Trump against China. I mean side with Trump on China against John Bolton. And if you follow the news at all, John Bolton is the guy with the Yosemite Sam moustache that was for a while there Trump's national security advisor. He's just written a book castigating Trump um, always to Sunday, right? Uh, denouncing him in no uncertain terms. And, of course, the, the, get, the, the get Trumpers, right, or the never Trumpers or the people who have Trump derangement syndrome, they, they hate Trump so much they don't care who attacks him, they side with them. This particular guy, though, is a bridge too far. This man is a war criminal. John Bolton is one of these neocons that I rant and rave about um, who attached himself to the Trump administration to hijack him to make sure he couldn't do what he promised to do in terms of foreign policy. John Bolton was one of the people, one of the plotters of the lie of weapons of mass destruction. There was a handful of them around Dick Cheney who actually deliberately made up that lie. He was one of them. He should be rotting in a cell. He's dripping in the blood of a million people in Iraq and other parts of, of the Middle East, right? And now he's attacking Trump. And he wrote a letter in the Wall Street a section of his book was published in the Wall Street Journal, um, uh, which I've got a copy of here, The Scandal of Trump's China Policy. And every single thing John Bolton attacks Trump on in this uh, book on China is when China, Trump genuinely wants to make a deal that can lead to peace. This is what they hate. So when you think, when you, you the viewer, um, are buying into this anti-China stuff and you think you're on Trump's side, you're actually not. You're on the side of the people who are proving they're traitors to their own administration because they, they were there to sabotage it, right? We supported Trump when he got elected because he said we want to have a better relationship with Russia and despite the rhetoric with China, with North Korea, etc. Um, so I just want to highlight some of the things that, that Bolton has, has um, singled out here. Um, on, on Hong Kong, when Trump was told on Hong Kong, right, um, he said, this is what Trump said, uh, when the protest started last year, he said, I don't want to get involved. And then he said this, we have human rights problems too. And if, you don't, if you're not an idiot, you would understand how profound that comment is. Because until the world starts behaving, recognising we all have problems here, or as the good Lord said, take the beam out of your own eye before you take the splinter out of someone else's, we'll always be at war. That was a very profound thing Trump said there and Bolton's attacking, attacking him for it. On the... Um, uh, they wanted him to make a statement on the 30th anniversary of the, 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 uh, the, the Tiananmen Square massacre, not because they care about Chinese people killed. These people, are, uh, these people have, have um, bathed the world in blood for 20 years. They don't care about that. It's just, it's just a bashing China exercise. Trump didn't want to do it. He gets attacked for that. And then on the Uyghurs, Bolton is attacking Trump as if Trump has, has endorsed the concentration camps for Uyghurs. All Trump said to Xi Jinping was, the de-radicalisation program in um, uh, Xinjiang sounds like it's, it should go ahead because of how bad the terrorism uh, problem was in that part of the world, which is what China reacted to that no one ever talks about. A thousand Chinese people killed in 10 years in terrible terrorist attacks. You can see some clippings on the screen about it. This is what he's being, this is what Bolton's attacking him for. 
This is why we should side with Trump against Bolton and frankly on China's side, right? So take that into account when you think through these issues and we'll, you can get more of it from our Citizens Alert service. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Thanks for Robert. tuning in.